Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast. MWR.com, you know, website we talk about Mountain West sports, football, right, Matt? Is that kind of what we do typically? Football, basketball, bowl season, which is upon us? That's right. And that's because we uh, just got through with Championship Saturday, which we'll be talking about at length. At length, yeah. So we're going to jump into it. we got bowl stuff to talk about. We'll get to that at the end. Bowl assignments bull news plus some already interesting bull breaking news regarding one opponent we'll get to the end of the podcast so there's your uh, tease to either wait or you can fast forward and hope you guess and get it right at the timestamp. that's right <laughs> also we're on twitter mwc wire everywhere online mwr.com facebook all that great stuff sort of on instagram when we decide to be which is not too often um but yeah the final game is in the books fresno state 28 Boise State 16. Congratulations, Matt. Your Bulldogs won another conference title. Thank you. Thank you. Where, where should we begin with this? Because when I wrote the recap, which I haven't done in a while, I'm like, oh, I got to get back to doing game, game, game stuff. I'm like, I got this. Special teams, defense, and I will say one impressive offensive drive was kind of the story of the game. Does that sound about right to you? Yeah, I mean, I probably would have chosen just enough offense, but uh, I think your <laughs> phrasing probably works a little bit better. 
<laughs> the one driver I'm referring to is where Jordan Mims just took over the game at the end. But yeah, what was your sh- so? I didn't get to watch it live, so I didn't get to see interaction on Twitter because I was out doing stuff. So I got to watch it about halftime and kind of zoom through it. Well, just whatever commercials and fast forwarding through it. So what was your, I saw some of your thoughts, the first quarter, zero points. Cause we kind of, we, here's what I felt for the game. And I'll let you obviously get in, get on this as well. And I think you might have the same sentiment as me where Boise state's defense was really good. Fresno would eventually break through, break through, but I didn't really expect it to be a zero to zero first quarter, which include a misfield goal and a turnover on downs where Fresno State did the right thing, or excuse me, Boise State did the right thing going for a four to five to the 32 yard line in the first quarter. I mean, I, I was really kind of. Do, I was going to say, I really do think it is a credit to both defenses and how well they mm-hmm. played early on because you know, neither side was really able to get much going. Like on, on Boise State's side of things, they were getting a lot of pressure on Jay Kaner early. Mm-hmm. And, and even though he didn't get sacked in that first quarter it felt like he was under pressure early and often in that game which is why you know he was able to uh, you know get into something of a nice rhythm i think he had you know back to back pass plays in that first quarter uh to nico remigio you know there was a beat rodney robinson twice i remember that uh it was in, on that drive that ended in the missed field goal 20 yards and 32 yards on back to back plays But then when you look up and you realize that they gained 77 yards that entire first quarter and then 35 yards in the second quarter after that, yeah, you you start to understand that like in context, you know, those really big explosive plays that sort of defined the second half of the year where Hainer was back under center, really few and far between that first half. But two, sorry, two drives netted in negative yards and one under 10 yards for Fresno State. But I think the the more surprising thing was that Taylor Green, after a really hot start to the game, where he was, you know, what eight of his first eleven, I believe, you know, he had a he couple was. of nice throws for first downs, eight of eleven, nine for his first thirteen, basically through the first quarter and change. After that, I think the most surprising thing about the game was that he sort of fell off track. Relative was to nine what we tw- had seen from him down the stretch. He was 9 of 27 after that start, because if my math is correct here, nine, that makes sense. Subtracting, adding those two. He had one explosive play that was the late, amazing Davis Cutter touchdown reception where he bounced off a guy and got that 57 yeah. yards. Too, too little, too late. You like Every play counts, but you take away that play, he had very few yards overall. And he, like, I, I don't like the glow in the um, disc of kids not playing well. But I kind of was right. Like he, him throwing this many times, they weren't going to win. And what's more surprising is why did Dirk Cutter stop running the ball when it worked pretty well in the first half? They went away from giving it to George Kalani because they could tell, and Genty as well, he only had seven carries. Like Kalani wasn't amazing, like totally yarded, 74 yards, solid 5.7 yard per carry, but nothing big. That big, that 12 yarder was his biggest run. They went away from that because Fresno. Because if I'm correct, David Prowse, he did he play at all in this game? I don't think he did, right? He played a little bit. Like, oh, yeah, sorry. He did have one pass to fight. Yeah, he came up with a nice play on a third down to force a punt, I believe it was. Very little, but, though. He wasn't there. But he was pretty limited in that game. And as a, as a unit, Fresno State only had two tackles for loss in the contest. They had seven pass knockdowns, two I interceptions. I think 
that, and that also many overthrows too. Many overthrows from Green. Like they, he was yeah. thrown out of bounds how many times? Like what's up? What's up with that? And I think that was sort of the microcosm in the game was that I think it was their first scoring drive where they had to settle for three points, but they were I believe within the red zone and. And he and and Green misfired on two passes to the end zone on back to back plays, and I'm trying to remember exactly which th- you know, who he was thrown to. I think one of them was to Latrell Cape. Yeah, I got it right here. Was to Billy Bones. It was Billy Bones and Eric McAllister was the second one. Or yes, yes, and you know it was those kind of missed opportunities that ended up really defining the game. I think more than anything. They don't because... run the ball first to go at the nine. They run it zero times when you have the best running back on the field. That's yeah, seems... I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know that we I know that Hawani got banged up in the season finale last week against Utah State. So maybe they were being at least a little bit mindful of that. But yeah, I think especially as the game wore on, and you know, especially in those sort of critical first minutes of the of the third quarter, where you know, at halftime it was what 14 to 6, Boise State gets a field goal about 14 to 9. When and I tell you, you cannot kick field goals and to win this game. Field goal is not allowed, and that's what Boise State did. But it, but it was it was a five point game and going into the fourth quarter. But it never felt like that, it though, right? It didn't seem like Boise was. It's a close score, but it, it didn't feel like they were going to win this game. At least well, for my watching, and this. that's why to your point, Hawani only had three carries after halftime. And I think you know if you're being mindful of his workload, given that he's banged up recently, that I think is understandable. Genty's pretty sort good. Of, what sort of compounds that a little bit is that Genty only had two carries after halftime. You expect a freshman who's never been in this spot, didn't start the first of the season, came in four games in, was an well above average quarterback, but never he has never been put in this situation to like of all the games, like like my miscue last during the previews, like, oh yeah, I kind of Look at the passing per game. I there's a couple games hit zero. I'm like, oh, if he throws this many times, it won't play well. He has never had. Has he had a game this year where Dirk Carter like, hey, go win me the game? No, I think the closest He's, was probably the BYU game. Yeah, and and he, and he answered and he answered the bell on that he one. Did. And I think given what he did down the stretch, I think it would be fair to say that you know they had a lot of confidence in him to make those throws to find those explosive plays you know let's not forget like coming into the game he was averaging nine and a half yards per throw oh yeah in five of the last six games with the only exception being the wyoming game utah state he played well like he made plays but utah state the score it's utah state sort of similar because the boise scored those two quick touchdowns to make it look like a blowout when there's really one minute left and aggies had a chance to win the game but there's the interception i believe it was Mm -hmm. But in that game, he played well. He had uh, I'm trying to look exactly what he had here, but he like Kalani had a touch. I'm trying to see if he had passing touchdowns here. Yeah, he had that 50 yarder to Latrell Caples. That was a touchdown. So he mm-hmm. on a big third and twelve, looking back at the box score, it's kind of going fast. And then he also had a 25 yarder to McAllister. So he's no he's known to make plays and do well in in games. But I'm not saying it's too big for him. But it's also he didn't have any help. So this is also the first time where he struggled mightily in this game. He was under 50% for the day. This is by far his worst game. And it's a young guy struggling. It's like, coach, where's my guys to help me out? Give me the running backs. Where's give me a, an easy pass plate. Stefan Cobbs had zero catches. 
Like he did. Did he, well, he, did he even play? That's oh, sorry. Play. That's something. My my mistake. Yeah. So my bad on that. But like looking real, I was doing a quick scan. But you don't have him. That's even more reason to run the ball. You want your when Boise. You mentioned the preview, Matt. Like they have a bunch of solid receivers, but nothing. Um, no elite elite guys like Khalil Shakir and other guys have had over the past decade plus. And so you ask him to go out there to win the game against with you're not you're not fully healthy wide receiver wise against a Fresno State secondary who has two really good guys in the backfield in the secondary backfield Evan Williams and my other pick Cam Lockridge MVP just saying two interceptions nailed it doing, doing good nailed it exactly what okay one was a lob and tip but or not a lob like a tip jump tip drill whatever but yeah Green, assist from Livell Bailey on that one who could have picked it off himself but couldn't quite get a hand on it but overall, Green they they trust for some reason they trusted Green to win the game, and it makes sense because he's played well enough and made big plays. But it's a conference championship game. Your running backs are doing fine, but you elect not to get him the ball. You're missing your top receiver. You expect a freshman to come out and win a game. That's hard to do, and we've seen him in certain games against pretty good defenses not play great, like the Air Force game, all field goals. So essentially, and like shut out in the second half. So there's been times where there's no doubt he's really, really good. He's just not that there yet to be the guy to win games when they expect it when when you're missing guys and he had 30 rushing yards. So it's okay. But also, let me ask you this real quick, Matt. So do you think the jail Skinner, two things I'll ask you. So the jail Skinner near interception, would that have possibly really turn the tide where he could have easily had to walk it in for a pick six where I'm could glad have you mentioned that, that because because and and let's not forget Fresno State had one of those two later on in the game LJ early had his eyes on one yeah. um you know had his eyes on a lot of blue turf in front of him but I, I think you're definitely right that those sort of missed opportunities especially in that first half especially with Skinner mm-hmm it just you know it it changes the tenor of a game when you were able to create a big play like that and, and that was something else that we had seen Boise State do a number of times in the second half of the year I think it, you know the defense all things considered did just about everything you could ask them to do like for, you know they, they 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 held Fresno State to only four yards of play in this game yeah, the Broncos actually, like for all of Green's struggles, the Broncos still outgained them on a per-play basis. Mm-hmm. You know, and they were roughly even on third downs as well. Fresno State was 5-15, Boise State was 5-17. But yeah, I'm like I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because that was something I was gonna I was gonna bring up too. And you know, yeah. I don't know what else he you was- can really say about that. He was matched like he was hurt. They had to literally say, you cannot play anymore, Mr. Skinner. You need to get out of the game. Yeah. Like he, At the end, he's like a it's tough. competitor. It's hard. But it, like who played better? Like minus two turnover margin. Both both interceptions go for a touchdown. Nico Remigio had the uh, 70-yard punt return as well, which was huge. And it really comes down to, like, I get honestly, feel, what I mentioned, three three things, special teams, field goals, and defense. Well, Fresno State was better in all aspects. And also – how do you feel about the uh, roughing the kicker penalty? Because I felt that was kind of weak. That gave yeah, Fresno State a first I could, down. I think I could see the grievance that that Boise State fans were sort of clamoring for on 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 social media. It did seem a little ticky tack, but he ran it like the only thing I could think of because the announcers, he had Brock Heward and some other dude I don't know, 
mm-hmm. and Petros on the sideline. Who I, people don't like Petros, but I think he's he's fun and great. But my point with that, they didn't really explain why. I was like, oh, that's it. Seemed like oh, that's what they call. That's where they're going. It seemed like honestly, I don't know how much Brock Heward has ever seen a Boise State or Fresno State game this year. Or no, sorry, he did the other game. It wasn't Brock Heward. Never mind. I think it's. I was gonna say Tim Brando, wasn't it? Sorry, Tim Brando and, and Spencer Tillman. Sorry, it's my bad. I was thinking of the Pac-12 game where Brock Heward is. I get my wires crossed because Petros is on both broadcasts, I believe. My bad. But it seemed like, but also, like, have they done many Boise State games? Either of those? Because I don't know if Brando's doing too many FS1 broadcasts, right? I don't recall mm-hmm. who's on who. But they didn't seem to explain why that was the call or even question it because the guy, the guy, he he rolled into the, the uh, kicker. Obviously, we all saw that. Unless the referee thought it was an additional... Like you're a kid log rolling to to get the guy's leg, he didn't like. I don't think he raised his legs too much to trip him in te- too intentionally. Maybe a little bit, but it's also momentum. The only thing I can think of their penalty because I think there's the rule if you're late, like if you're the kicker, and you're kind of vulnerable, like a defensive defenseless receiver to some level. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if that's why they called it, but it seems pretty minor to give 15 yards, regardless because it's automatic first down anyways. It's fourth to 15, so. 15 yards first down, or it's a first down. Anyways, that's the call. I thought it would be running into the kicker. I don't know why it's roughing. It seemed, again, a little... Out of all the calls, that one seemed like, oof, what, what's going on there, fellas? Because that led to a touchdown for Boise, for, excuse me, for Fresno State. And yeah. That was a pretty big deal. Because that was, I think, with, was I think that's when they went 21-9, I believe. Isn't that when that, that score happened, I believe? Yeah, the, so, yeah. the touchdown throw to Zane Pope. Yeah, roughing the kicker, I... I that I that's one I'd be like I I did not I'm like that does not seem like that and the intent was there but the only thing I could think of is defensive kicker that's the only thing I reason I reasoning and I would love the announcers to you know do this for a living and call the games would say hey here's why it was the call they didn't even put bat the right to question it nope <laughs> I'm just saying that, that's that's weird I'm like so that's why I was wondering like how often these guys call the game I don't know. So what, what what surprised you in the game? Anything that kind of like stood out like, hey, this is weird or this a surprise this matchup that you kind of saw or didn't expect after the fact? I think I was surprised by how often Fresno State got their hands on the football when when Boise State tried to lean on the pass. You know, obviously the interceptions were were the were sort of the big momentum swings. But I think it's worth noting too that Fresno State had seven pass breakups in this game, too. You know, you mentioned David Perales was sort of limited, but he had a big you know, pass knocked down in the first quarter for more or less, you know, being stuck on the sidelines for the rest of the game. But, you know, we mentioned LJ early, earlier, you know, he had two pass breakups, including the the, mm-hmm. the missed opportunity for a pick six himself. Yeah. Bailey had the tip drill that helped Lockridge pick up that second interception. Isaiah Johnson had a tip. Carlton Johnson had a tip. It was, it was just a really strong group effort, I think. So, like, even though Green himself really struggled completing passes, especially struggling with overthrows, as you mentioned earlier, you know, when he was trying to fit into those windows, I think Fresno State did a really good job of, you know, basically denying him those opportunities. Yeah, I would say one interesting note, I was like, I felt Jay Kaner would break through at some point. He never really did. He had the one touchdown pass, not many huge passing plays downfield. And he only and he had what he was only 184 yards. Mm-hmm. I felt at some point he would break through. Running game was okay. Like the Mims, that we'll get to that in a minute. But like my big surprise was Hayner not having a couple of big time plays. I felt maybe not 300 yards, but I could see like 250 and like at least one 
bomb for a touchdown like he's known to have for a big play. So credit to Boise defense. Also, fourth quarter, Boise's defense was gassed depth-wise, injury-wise. They even said, like, these guys are tired. You could tell on that last yard, particularly with Jordan Mims, taking all six carries for a touchdown to seal the victory, where mm-hmm. he had, I think, third, I don't my article in front of me, but 30-plus yards, taking all six carries, and then the toss. Why did – and the toss for touchdown. What's Have you ever heard of the gentleman touchdown? What were they referring to on that toss when he scored? Like, what is that about? Are you familiar with no that term? I'm like, I, it's just baffled my mind. I'm like, they said they like were five times. About all kinds of weird things. Like, they were suggesting Fresno State punt from the Boise State 34 yard line or something like that. Well, look how old freaking Tim Brando is. He's a million years old. He's calling games for Jefferson Pilot back in the day, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're right about that. I'm just saying, he's been around, but I'm just saying, like, what are you doing? Like, like Boise, like, same thing, Boise, their first drive. Fourth and five, 35. That's fifth. Your field goal kicker. That's long. What are you doing? But no, do not punt. Go. Like, if you're within 10 yards, like, if you're on a range for me to go for, unless it's like super long for some reason, like it's fourth and 20. Like, if you're inside your opponent's 45 yard, 40 yard line, you should, like, if you're in the other 40, just go for it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just go deep. And if it's picked off, cool. That's like a punt. Like, what are you doing? Unless it's like, unless it's like 15 plus yards. I'm like, what do you just go for it? Well, I would agree. Just saying we're, we're in like minds here. It's like, no, I'm not just, not just with percentage or analytics, but like, just look where you're in the field. Like what's the, what's the problem? If you punt and they do a fair catch, you'll, you'll only, it's only 15 yards. If you're at the 40, like, what are you thinking? No, these announcers get, get, get out the program, man. Do what you gotta do. Yeah. Um, anything else? Do anything else? Okay. I'll say this about the game. So, Andy Avalos, but was saved by dirt dirt cutter this year. Is that fair to say? Like he probably saved Andy Avalos's job, among other things. Yeah. Um, wait, what are the other things? <laughs> well, I would say Taylor Green. You know the guys okay. on the field. Oh, obviously, but that's all dirt cutter, probably right. I mean, I think he definitely had a large influence on that. Yeah. Then why does dirt cutter? I mean, why does um like you see what uh Andy Lovelace is not happy his post game press conference? He was getting pissy about everybody. Like you've never done this before. You haven't done this. It's like, coach, answer the dang question, man. What are you doing? So I, okay, without I mean, I I did see the quote that I believe it was put out there first about uh by BJ Reigns, was it not? Yeah, yeah, something like that. I don't have the full context, but it so, seems like it's a bit harsh. I didn't. I didn't want to. I didn't want to automatically assume it was a negative stance because all I had to go on was the text of the quote and, mm-hmm. and no tone to go along behind it. So it could have been a piss know, poor question it, too. It could have been condescending. I don't know. Yeah. And so like, you know, there's just no, there wasn't enough context for me to really glean one way or the other, how accurate that reading was. But I think also too, like given that, you know, the, the Broncos just had a, frustrating offensive performance that Avalos and, and his personal frustration at the end of the game could be forgiven. Yeah. I just, I get it, but it's all, but my, I wanted to lean into that a little bit. Like I'm not going to be too harsh, but it's like, it's you're been coached for a while, a couple years, you lost. And what, like, if you're out there, what are the questions you're going to ask about this game? So, Coach, why did what happened to your quarterback? Like, coach, why did you stop handing the ball off to your running backs? Coach, you settled for field goals. This is not the first time this happened. Coach, there's the passing situations like 
there's, I don't, again, I don't have full context, but those are questions I'd totally ask if I was there. It's like, why did you lean away from the, the one of the top three players in the conference to give it to a freshman who's never been in this situation before? So, I don't know. Anything else? Anything else to add about this game before we move on? Any other uh, final thoughts or predictions you got right or wrong you want to talk about? Nothing that immediately comes to mind. No. Okay. Were you? Did this game satisfy you for a college football championship game? Yeah, I mean, I think it was definitely more of a defensive showcase than I expected it to be. Um, I don't even Same. think it hit the over. Correct? Nope. Over is like I think fifty three. So it was like, like yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think you know both teams had an opportunity to sort of assert themselves throughout most of the contest, and it wasn't really until maybe the you know late in the third quarter, early fourth quarter, that Fresno State was was able to get enough separation that the Bulldogs fans like myself could feel like they could breathe a little bit. Like once it was twenty-one to nine, and 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 the Broncos continued to struggle, I think that was when you could really see the finish line. Yeah, I felt once they after that as on that roughing the pass or roughing the kicker, once they scored a touchdown there, I figured it's over. Like they're not coming yeah. back from this. Boise's offense, while as good as it was this year and improved over the year, was not able was not gonna come back and get this defense. Yeah. Again, Jalen Jalen Green throwing 38 times too many times. So I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, is it bowl season time? Is that where we're officially at now? Let's do it. So we have seven Mountain West Bowl teams. All right, so here's what I'll, I'll mention the bowl games. We'll kind of get to things here as we go. So we have LA Bowl, Fresno, Washington State, Frisco, Boise, North Texas, Armed Forces, Air Force, Baylor, Potato Bowl, Spartans, Eastern Michigan, First Responder, Utah State, Memphis, Arizona, Wyoming, Ohio, and as no, excuse me, as known for a week, San Diego State, Middle Tennessee State, and Hawaii. Any first blush thoughts that are like, oh, this is awesome. I don't like this game or. We could have done better. You know, what was what was kind of surprising if if you were, you know, dear listener like me following Brett McMurphy on Twitter as oh, he was should. sort of ripping out every every matchup over the course of you know Saturday or excuse me, Sunday morning, early afternoon. One of the first biggest surprises is one of the games that's not on that list, which is the New Mexico Bowl. Yeah, first time ever. That's not part of the Mountain West in their bowl allegiance since it became it's BYU versus SMU. And so that that was sort of a mild surprise, if only because that I believe was one of the first matchups that was announced. But on the whole, like I think you, you might be tempted at first glance to think, "Well, like that's not a very good matchup." But can I play conspiracy or, or theory? Slated matchups. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll go for it. The New Mexico Bowl. You want to know why I think it's BYU? Because they had so, to put it somewhere. Because what? No, well, no, I know somewhere. <laughs> oh, there's that. But ESPN owns the Bulls, obviously, so they can mix and match as they wish, which mm-hmm. has worked for the Mountain West many, many times. But the Raiders host the Patriots Sunday night football the day after. That game's it's gonna get moved off NBC. There's zero chance it's gonna be played NBC. They can flex it. So if you've probably seen the notes of what they're gonna change, they're gonna flip the because as it stands, the 
Vegas or, or not Jimmy Kimmel Bowl, but the on that day, yeah, the Vegas Bowl is the same day, right? Yes. So they're going to flip the times because the Vegas Bowl is later in the day with Pac-12 SEC. Mm-hmm. And the Raiders game is the next day. There's not enough. If the game gets pulled off flex, it would probably be then a though that afternoon, which is like what one twenty five Pacific kickoff or something like that. Yeah, it's usually like one one o'clock kickoffs. Yeah, it'd be that one o'clock Pacific kick time. There's not enough time to fix to fix the field if the game kicks off at like probably I don't know what the Vegas will kick six seven local time. Mm-hmm. That game is on ABC. That game would move to ESPN earlier in the day and switch time slots with time slots within the Mexico Bowl, which would then be on ABC. And people like to watch BYU and football, a lot of fans. So that's why I think there could be a potential that's moved. That game was moved in favor of a BYU versus SMU. Then say a, well, also BYU played a handful of mountain teams. So you weren't going to play Wyoming. We weren't going to play Utah State. We weren't going to play Boise State. So it limits who you're going to play. Aztecs already had a bowl game. And, and Fresno is already locked into it. So the only other option would have been San Jose State if they wanted BYU in that game. And they'd rather, I guess, have SMU. That's my thinking of how that came to be but or maybe you, air force you, probably, you probably pulled out a lot of like twine and, and thumbtacks to pull all that together didn't you no the easy way byu and abc that's good that's what the bull wants that's simple enough. that's that's true it is about eyeballs it is about money so that's what i'm thinking that's why but there could be a totally another reason but i think that's a plausible reason to think why that's the case I mean, and, and I think the, the the slate of bowl matchups as a whole, like you, you might think, well, this doesn't seem like it's terribly exciting. But like when you look closer and of course, we're, we're going to talk more in depth about all of these opponents over the next couple of weeks or so. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Wazoo was pretty exciting, um, you know, under be points, coach man. Jake Dickert. You know, they could put up points. Can't um, board, yeah. Although I do think um, they, they lost their offensive coordinator, Eric Morris, did they not? He's a head coach uh, somewhere. Uh, let me. I'm trying to work more. I'm looking it up as we go. Um, oh no, he was a front runner for the Texas State job. Okay, so I he's don't still think talented. he. Okay. Yeah, because I think they ended up hiring DJ Kinney for that job. Did they not? Yes, they did get DJ. Yeah, right. Yeah. Eric Morris three days ago, no longer. Uh, yeah, because I had remembered. I had remembered seeing that, but you know, with with him, with Cam Ward, that quarterback, you know, the Cougars will be an exciting matchup for this. Bulldogs defense, you know, in in Frisco between the Broncos and North Texas, you get a matchup of conference runners up. Um, however, however, however Seth just got fired tonight, Sunday night. That's true. Yeah. So the, the, the so the Mean Green are going to be going into that game with an interim coach. Yeah, interim coach, and also it should be noted he was fired by the president because the AD took the West Virginia job. So I don't think they have an AD at the moment. Because hmm. Ren Baker, I believe that's how you say his name, W R E N Ren is now at West Virginia. So he went 44 and 44. Um three but he's also owned five in bowl games, too. Yeah. So and it also not, should not be noted quite the, not quite the tenure they envisioned, but and, and also UNT is also going to the American next year, too. Correct. And this is like basically 10 miles from the stadium in Frisco. And also well, I saw Boise fans like on Bronco Nation News or Facebook page, like, what is this? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, and somebody put a great comment. Hey, we haven't been to a bowl game like in three years. Shut up. We're playing the bowl game. It's great. There you go. They could, That's the spirit. Last, well, last year, COVID. 2020, they said no. In 2019, the lightning strike versus BC got the game canceled. That's right. They haven't been to a bowl game in a while for health, basically health and safety issues, apparently, whether it's a uh, lightning or COVID. So they it's been multiple years since they've been to a bowl game. So, Enjoy it. 
warmish weather, I want to say. Probably not super warm, but warmer than Boise. But and we'll see. It'll be it, it's a bowl game I've been to in a while. And you get to see another game of Taylor Green, George Trelawney, and stuff like that. So it's the matchup. Yeah, plus, it, be, plus it's a homecoming for a good number of Broncos players as well. Yeah, Texas guys. So yeah, so it's a matchup we'll see on North Texas is because also UTSA. But Seth Latrell's offense was known or allegedly known as whatever kind of here hit or miss. But he also had a uh, Graham Harrell for a minute too. A lot of passing offense, a lot of scoring points. Not necessarily yeah. the case with the record wise, but well, it's a. Uh, it's it's a game to see Boise State again, and we'll see how they do. But it's, it's a fun game. It's fine. It's all bowl games. More football, right? Exactly. You got to treasure each one because then because then it's going to be January, and you're going to be staring at like rain or snow, and you're going to be like, "Where's yeah, the football?" Yeah, you can watch the Chiefs play. That's always exciting, right? That's Bills. true. Yeah, but then, but then you have the armed forces. Yeah, then you have the armed oh. forces bowl. I'm like just going in order of what I. Yeah, it is a really good matchup. In Air Force, I believe, is in this game for the sixth overall time. Which, uh, if I remember my cursory Wikipedia search from this afternoon, is the most appearances of any team in this bowl, which is kind of interesting. It would be. It's the Armed Forces Bowl. You got to have Army, Navy, or Air Force right in there. So yeah, and the, and they draw a Baylor team that wasn't quite as good as it was last year when they were in the Big Twelve Championship, but I think it is. Fair to note that this Bears team was subject to a lot of close game luck in both directions this year. Because mm-hmm. um, you you may recall that they lost by six back in September to BYU when both teams were ranked back in week uh, week two. Yeah, early, early on, yeah. Yeah, lost by three to West Virginia, lost by one just a couple of weeks ago to Texas a or Texas Christian TCU. And and this is still a team that beat the likes of Kansas and Texas Tech and Oklahoma too. So like they've got some talent, and it's going to be a really good matchup, I think, for both sides. Yeah, they, they score points. They have some good players. Like Dave Randa's a really good coach. It'll be different, contrasting styles for sure. Yeah, but also it should then, be noted it's all it's going to be a close game because Fort Worth is not that far from where Baylor's at, uh, Waco. So there could be a crowd discrepancy as well. Yeah, and then in the potato bowl, not only do we get Spuddy again, as you mentioned. Spuddy's back. But, you know, San Jose State is going bowling again. They bounced back, had a nice year. And Eastern Michigan, like if you haven't paid attention to the MAC, the one thing you need to know is that these Eagles just had their best season in like 35 years. They're going to be pumped to be there. Yeah, they were. I was. Just, I went. I know what's up on Sports Reference. So yeah, they went eight and four this year. I'm just gonna throw this out there real quick, and I'm sure I'll mention it at some point. The only other two eight win seasons that they've had in the entire history of this program, 1977, when they won eight games, and 1987, which was the last time they won eight games, they won ten games, and coincidentally enough, played Fresno State in a bowl game that year. Ah, interesting. So one quick note about this team: they like they have won. They've won three in a row. They beat Central Michigan recently. They have a lot of clo- couple close losses, a couple I should say. But you see their point differential; they're only plus three on the year. Three hundred forty-six points for three hundred forty-three against. That's a very so that's that, a very Mac thing to do. It is because you look at some of the games they played: Louisiana, who wasn't very good, for, lose forty-nine twenty-one. They lose to Buffalo fifty to thirty-one. But then they go out and beat Western Michigan 45-23. They beat up on Central 38-19. 
lose to North NIU 39-10, and a couple of close games mixed in. So quite a swing of 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 uh, matchup or scoring matchups in this one. In this, uh, excuse me, for this uh, Eagles team. This also does not include the uh, Charlie Batch years where they they apparently did not win eight wins with Charlie Batch. Yeah, right, and and, and I think. 90s. And I think you know, a lot of that also holds true for Memphis too in the first responder bowl. You know, they're they'll be playing Utah State the Tigers. Again, six and six doesn't seem like all that much to write home about. But it is worth noting here that they had, you know, we just mentioned it with Baylor, they might have had even more bad close game misfortune, especially in the second half of the year, because they started the year four and four and one, lost by one to Houston two to East Carolina, seven to UCF, and three to SMU in the second half of the year. So it's it's not a team that's going to be overwhelmed or, or scared to be on a stage with Utah State. So it's going to be a, a, a nice matchup, I think, of teams that maybe aren't perfect but can still put up a lot of points. I think that's sort of the thing to look forward to in that one. Yeah, they put up 45 loss to ECU, 30-plus a couple times. Um, but also their back end schedule is tough. Houston, ECU, ranked Tulane, ranked UCF, solid Tulsa team. SMU is pretty good. So that's part of it too. Schedule is more difficult down the stretch. Similar to what you, they kind of went, did the UNLV type of scheduling where they were off to a hot start, probably do the schedule, probably do because they're a pretty good team. But at the end of the day, they had the second half schedule is much more difficult. Yeah. So that's <clears> and then we'll, we'll get into these games as well more deeply, obviously, as we get going next week or two. Yeah, and then in the Arizona Bowl, you get another conference runner-up in Ohio. Um, you know, they just lost the MAC championship to Toledo, and it, and I will say up front, which again we'll talk about this more at de- in depth later on, but I do think that the game maybe lost a little bit of its luster because Bobcats quarterback Curtis Rourke, um, who if if the surname sounds familiar, it's because he was in a bowl game several years ago, the Frisco Bowl. Uh, where these same Bobcats ran over San Diego State, if you recall that yeah. one. Um, on, yes. But he was knocked out a couple weeks ago for the rest of the year with a knee injury. You know, he was, I believe, the offensive player of the year in the MAC um, and, and the MVP. And so the you could tell, like in, in going back and watching a little bit of video from the MAC championship, that they definitely missed him. Yeah, but but we'll see. You know, Wyoming has been sort of up and down. You know, we, as you mentioned, with the point differential for Eastern Michigan, that <laughs> yeah. also holds true for the Cowboys. So it's sort of an unpredictable matchup, and that is its own kind of fun sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely. So it's we'll see how it goes. There's some interesting games, and then last game, Hawaii Bowl, right? Is that the last one I've yeah. ever touched on? Real quick. This has been known about a week. Middle Tennessee State versus San Diego State. Why do you think this was announced like a week before? It's kind of weird. Any I wonder if it had to do with like travel plans in the same in the same way that they do with the uh, the Bahamas Bowl. That was known early too, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, interesting. So, what do we know about Middle Tennessee State? Because you know what San Diego State did, and some of their fans like whatever bowl game. It is funny that I, there's some hashtag group on Facebook. They despise Brady Hoke, Matt. They do not like Brady Hoke at all. I so are you wait, are you asking me about Hoke? Or are you asking me about the Blue Raiders? <laughs> sorry, I, I, I had a tangent there. Hoke, why do you think they don't like Hoke very much? I wonder if it's just the stale play calling. You're not wrong. Okay, that's probably why too. But back to Middle Tennessee State, the Raiders. So what do what do you think about them? Because they've been a they're an okay team. So 
So you may recall that they that they beat up on Colorado State back in week two. Was it 49 10? I think Th- something 34 bad. to 19. Oh, sorry. That, oh, sorry. One of the close games Rams had early on. Close-ish games. My bad. And then, you know, later in September, I ended up having one of the more shocking results of non-conference play, or at least it seemed like it at the time, when they beat a ranked Miami team on the road, uh, put up 45 points against the Hurricanes. And then they had sort of a mid-season lull. You know, they lost by a couple scores to UTSA, you know, got blown out by UAB in Western Kentucky, but then bounced back late in the year, won four of their last five, sort of regained their form. You, you might say that, you know, there's a, a little bit of skepticism that you might sort of look at them at because none of their, I don't think any of their wins, unless Miami finished, is Miami going bowling? I have no idea. Because uh, if they're not, then none of their seven wins this year came against a team with a winning record. Trying to check right now. My computer forced restart of my standings page. Miami. Oh boy, this is exciting. Come on, control F. No, they went five and seven. They're not going bowling. The other Miami so, team did. Ohio is going bowling, but not the Hurricanes. So maybe not the greatest team in the world, but a team that can still put up points and it's going to make for a good matchup against an Aztecs defense that is, is going to look to yeah, they're going to look to try and you know put one last nice tidy bow on a on a on a good season, if not necessarily like the, the kind of season that they've had in the last couple of years. Exactly. So any else we need to add about the bowl games? Cause we're gone through the matchups. We'll do more. We'll have, we have some first looks already out. So check out that for the website. We'll do some Q and A's. We'll figure out our podcast schedule. Cause it's always weird and hairy around this time of year, just with travel, with holidays, with whatever, you know what I mean? Life stuff yeah. going on. Anything else about the bolt? Anything else you need to add to these games or matchups we talked about? I think for now, I'm we are probably all set. Let me ask you this off the cuff what's the number one? I put this to our staff. We'll have a ranking to bowl games. What's the number one bowl game right now you want to watch? Oh man, I'm trying to remember what I voted for. I, I do think that Air Force Baylor is going to be a really good one. I did too. I won't say that one because you said it because that's what up there. I'll go Fresno Wazoo because I think that could be first to 30, first to 40. Potentially. Yeah. And I also think this, I would also say don't sleep on San Jose State Eastern Michigan. Mm-hmm. And because we also want to see two reasons. Buddy Buddy's like the best mascot out there too. If you're the winning team, you don't get the Gatorade. You get those French fries poured on you. Fingers That's crossed. Right. Do we know if they're, are they warm, hot French fries at least? Do we know? They're sitting in the Gatorade bucket. Because I don't know. French- we'll have to, we'll have to dig into that maybe. Just investigative reporting on that because getting cold French fries, that'd be like shards of cardboard hitting you. That wouldn't be comfortable. It gets on your jacket or something exactly. for uh, Coach Coach Brennan or whoever. So uh, that's it for now. So I guess we're going to – we need to discuss our schedule going to be – I'm going to say this right now, Matt. We're going to have a podcast before we preview these games. I think that's fair to say. People need to hear from us. Again, not in two weeks, right? Sure. Sure. As I put you on spot, yes, it's in stone. We're going to podcast something. We'll be around, obviously. We'll let everybody know of our schedule. So you can check us out, obviously, Spotify, iTunes, or excuse me, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast at. Check the website, Twitter, MWR.com. We'll have some, I have some interesting offseason stuff we'll start doing kind of the week in between. But we'll be back probably next week to recap um, nothing. Wait, Matt, we don't recap anything. That's sad. Oh, man. I'm, I'm misspoken there. Jeez. But Keep it out for us for some some fun college football stuff to talk about. And yeah, MWR.com. And we'll we'll see you next time. Just uh 
just keep we'll be around we're not going anywhere as i as a matt as i randomly make this seem like a some end of a season show type deal we're just uh there's not much football so we got to figure out what we want to do right i need some still ideas got a little, still got a little ways to go though mwcr and twitter give us some ideas to podcast for this week we always take suggestions right exactly all right so we'll see you then until next time folks have a good week